Good evening. It is Wednesday night. It's time for our Bible study, and we are looking forward to teaching today on the empty tomb. Now, before we do that, I want to tell you how badly I've been missing going to church. And especially last Sunday, which was Easter, I don't think I've ever, since I was a little baby, missed an Easter Sunday. And so I I hope that everyone feels like I do concerning going to church. I sure hope you feel that way too. I can't hardly wait until we get to go back to church, according to our government leaders. Well, tonight we want to look at a subject that is uh, new uh, to this week, because uh, if we lived 2,000 years ago, Jesus would have resurrected on Sunday, 
and I would like for us just to think of some of the events that would have taken place uh, that uh, that week. And the first thing that we want to think about is the empty tomb. So let me talk to you about the word empty for a moment. Several years ago, I stopped by the Dairy Delight in Logan for a frosty treat, and I discovered that I didn't have any money in my billfold to pay for it. Wow, (laughs) I was embarrassed for a moment. But then I thought and remembered that I had change that I had accumulated in my ashtray of the car. So obviously, I went directly out and got that and paid for my ice cream. Another example of empty is um, uh, my heart that aches when I watch Christian television and it shows pictures of starving children in third world countries. Empty stomachs must be a painful experience for parents who cannot provide their family enough food to eat. Yes, the word empty is a sad and agonizing term in most cases. But in the story of Jesus Christ on the resurrection morning, it is an experience of celebration. Listen to what Matthew chapter 28 verses 5 and 6 says, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not. For I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And so we know that the women ran quickly, and they told the disciples, and Peter and John, they had a foot race to the tomb to see that it was empty. So tonight, as we study the word empty. What is the significance of that empty tomb? Well, let's first of all see that it meant bad news for the devil. In Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also likewise took part of the same. In other words, Jesus died. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So the empty tomb through the resurrection spelled the doom of Satan's reign with death. You see, for 4,000 years in the Old Testament, the devil held men captive with the threat of dying and the dread of the grave. Then Jesus experienced death for us all. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that is the resurrection chapter, verses 54 through 57. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of, the, of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, my friend, when Jesus came out of that tomb, it was empty, proving that he had triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. Paul says to his preacher boy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, but now is made manifest by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. So because that tomb is empty, Jesus through resurrecting over over death, hell, and the grave, he abolished death for us. Oh, yes, we're going to die, but death is like a door to a Christian that we simply walk through it into the presence of the Lord. Now, Jesus has the keys to death to hell and the grave. The word keys in the Bible means the badge of authority, just like a policeman wears a badge. And if you see that person, that policeman with that badge on, that means we are to respect his authority. Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan when he resurrected. Satan is like a wanted person now. Yes, he's alive and he's in this world doing all the evil he can, but he knows his time is limited. And in the Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, we read John saying, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit. Now, many times in Scripture, when uh, these uh, prophets and writers of the scripture viewed or had the vision and they saw the, the, uh, the glorified person coming, some of the times they call that person an angel. But here I believe that this angel could be described even further as the son of God because he has the keys to the bottomless pit. And notice as the verse goes on, he says, a chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and brought, bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and sealed upon, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled." And after that, he must be loose for a season. You see, Satan is simply playing out the role that God has assigned him. He is headed for the doom and destruction. You see, Satan cannot be saved. He blasphemed God when he tried to take over heaven and God threw him out. And then he came down here to this earth and corrupted Adam and Eve and so we see he is he is a wanted person. He will soon be taken and thrown into this bottomless pit, which I think is the opening to hell. And so the first important point about the empty tomb is Satan's doom. Secondly, the empty tomb means that the Father in heaven approved 
of his son's mission to earth. Back in the 1970s, there was a TV show called Mission Impossible. It was about a secret agent spying an espionage. Well, Jesus came to earth disguised as a man instead of his real identity as God. He was tempted and tried as we were yet without sin. That is why God the Father allowed Jesus the Son to raise from the dead, emptying the tomb. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. You see, if Jesus had failed in any way, if Jesus had sinned, if Jesus had said, no, I don't want to go to the cross, if Jesus had not completed the plan of salvation, then God would not have resurrected him from the dead. But because he fulfilled it in full, as he said on the cross, it is finished. God allowed him to resurrect from the dead, emptying the tomb, proving that God approved of his son's mission to earth. And finally and thirdly, we see that because there's an empty tomb, we as believers are justified. Let me read to you Romans chapter 4, verse 5 who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now, the word justify means I am acquitted. I am not guilty. It is just as if I'd never sinned. And we see here in this verse, for he was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. The word for there translates from the Greek word on account of. He was raised on account of our justification. He was raised for our acquittal as if we had never sinned. When we accept Christ as our Savior, we are justified. Romans chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, Much more than being now justified by, the, by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. In other words, we don't have to go to hell. We've been saved from hell. We will not have to go through the tribulation period. We've been saved through from the wrath through him because of that empty tomb, because he shed his blood and he accomplished his goal and his mission here on earth. He doomed Satan through his resurrection, through the empty tomb. Thus today, a believer can live a victorious Christian life according to Colossians chapter 3, Verses 1 through 3, Paul says, If ye then be risen with Christ. In other words, you, you've accepted Jesus. You've raised from the deadness of sin. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of, 
of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, that don't mean you're dead physically. That means you're dead to the things of this world. You're dead to the sin, to the allurements of uh, of your old flesh and of this a present day system of the world. And then Paul goes on uh, and says that we are hidden, our life is hidden in God. Then John says in his uh, epistle, 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, concerning our justification and our, our victory through the, the empty tomb, for whatever is born of God, Have you been born of God? Have you been born of the Spirit? Have you been born again? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? In other words, for whatever is born of God overcometh the world. You see, you don't have to give in to the allurements of the world, the things that that would cause you not to serve God, the things that would keep you from becoming a Christian. You see, you don't have to go in the world and live as a worldly person, a carnal person, because God, Jesus, has overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you said to Jesus, I believe in you. I accept you as my personal Savior. Come into my life and save me. And to finish off that verse, verse 5, 1 John 4, 5, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Have you accepted him into your heart, into your life? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, And thou shalt be saved. Listen, my friend, if you have not done that, you need to bow your heart right there where you're listening to this to this podcast, and you need to say these words. Say these words to God. You don't have to say them to anybody but Jesus. You can say them in your mind. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. Thank you for dying on that cross in my place. Now, Jesus, help me to live from this day forward for you. And my friend, like that, Jesus will flood your heart with the forgiveness of sin and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and you'll become a new creature, a new person. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You see, my friends, you need to be saved. Maybe you're listening and you're backslidden out of fellowship. God says all you got to do is what 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to forgive you from all unrighteousness. He'll come, he'll take you back. He'll he'll restore your fellowship. You see, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to do this today.
right here where we stand We will see the promised land mm. One day there'll be no more lives taken too soon One day there'll be no more need for a hospital One day every tear that falls will be wiped by his hand See the promised land. skin won't cause a promised land. We'll be with the Lord forever. My friend, I pray you'll be there in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It is Sunday, April the 19th, 2020. We are podcasting today from Hollywood, Yes, Hollywood Branch Road on the Crawley Creek. This is Pastor John E. Godby of the Stryker Bible Church, encouraging you to get your Bibles and open them to to Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. This morning we'll be uh, speaking a message entitled, The Spiritual Oasis. 
the spiritual oasis. And before we do this, uh, we want to uh, hear from Ryan Stevenson. tell you that's good security singing there today now we'd like for you to bow your head with us and we're going to have a word of prayer before we bring the message this lord's day our heavenly father as we come before your throne of grace and mercy this hour 
We thank you for this day of life that has dawned upon us. Lord, we know that this world is in a great turmoil. We know, our Father, that there is distress on every hand. We know because of this virus that is upon us that there are those who are in despair. And we pray, our Father, today that all that listen would know that there's hope in Jesus and that if they would turn their lives to Jesus Christ completely, ask him to be their Savior, ask him, Lord, to help them in this time of trial, that, Lord, we can come through this with your glory and your honor and your praise. Now, we ask your blessing upon each one that's listening today, that this would be food for their soul and encouragement and an uplifting. And if there are those listening, Lord, that do not know you as a personal Savior, this illustration from this message today can show them the way to you. And we ask that they might do that at the end of this message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've turned to Acts chapter number 8. And today, again, the message is the spiritual oasis. One of my favorite New Testament stories is that of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It's found again in Acts chapter number 8, verses 26 through 40. It is the account of a believer that went the extra mile to redeem a lost soul. This is a lesson that should inspire every believer to be determined to reach the lost, whatever the cost. Jesus commands us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Believers just need to take advantage of every situation that God places us in. We come in contact with people in a normal day, every day. Each of those encounters can be an opportunity to display the gospel. We should use every tactful means to spread the good news that Jesus loves people and wants them to be saved. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, in our message today, I'd like for you to uh, jot down or remember that there are six S's in our story that will help you remember the outline. First of all, we see that in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, there is a saint. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And so we see a man named Philip. 
He is a saint of God. Think about Philip from the past. He was chosen as one of the seven original deacons, that means servant, in the church in Jerusalem, the first church. And as a deacon, he served the tables. In other words, he took care of the orphans and the widows, and he assisted the apostles as they studied and preached the word. He took care of the physical needs. And then we see as persecution fell on the church, that the church had to go underground. In other words, the church had to flee for their lives. And, D, and uh, Philip became an evangelist, that is, one who preaches the good news from place to place. And he became a personal soul winner. Proverbs chapter number 11, verse 30 says, And he that winneth souls is wise. So if you want to be a smart person for the Lord, you need to be a soul winner. Now, as a saint, which means to be set apart, Philip had a job. The job that Philip had was to seek the lost. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So you see, you can be a witness by your behavior. But Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 15, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you. Now, Paul takes it a second step. Not only should you, in good behavior and good actions, your works should show forth Christ, but he says you should preach the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody that is a Christian should be out with a Bible, opening it up and preaching, but we should be a witness whenever possible with words. Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet, says in chapter 33 and verse 7, O thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. And so Ezekiel teaches us that we are watchmen and we are to watch for the souls of men, and we are to give them the word of God and warn them. Well, what do we warn them of? We warn them that the wages of sin is death. We warn them that there is a place called heaven to gain and a place called hell to shun. Now, we need to do this tactfully, but we need to do it. And there's the problem today. I don't think too many saints are witnessing as they should. Now, secondly, we find in Acts chapter 8, verse 27, 
we find the sinner. And he rose and went, and behold, a man, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candaces, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasurer and had come to Jerusalem to worship. So we see here that Philip encounters a sinner on the road down in Gaza, which is desert, and this sinner, though a man of good intentions, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. You might call him a religious man, yet religious people, as well as those that don't claim to be religious, are lost. You see, not even his high political office could save him. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, not by works of righteousness. In other words, not by works of being good, doing good deeds, though we should. Works of benevolence, that is extreme charity. Not of works of, of a high ranking name or office. Not a good name. Not because we have lots of money or give lots of money, not because we've been baptized, or not because we've taken church membership. No, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You see, this man, this Ethiopian, though he had high rank, though he had a position, though he was religious, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why? Why have all men sinned? Because Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. You see, my friends, all men are naturally born sinners and without Jesus, and we cannot obtain heaven in this natural state. You see, we have been born the natural man, but we need to be born again, the spiritual man. We need to be saved, in other words. And Jesus says in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except by me. So thus far we have seen the saint, Philip, the sinner, the Ethiopian. And now we see as Philip is urged to make a contact with this sinner in chapter 8, Acts chapter 8 and verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. You see, God gives us, when we become a Christian, 
the Holy Spirit. He lives in our dead soul. Our dead soul becomes alive. And the Spirit wants to direct our lives if we'll allow him to. Give him complete control. I have seen license plates on cars that says, God is my co-pilot. I don't want him to be my co-pilot <laughs> the way I drive. He needs to be my pilot, the one in the driver's seat, the one that directs me. You see, the Bible says in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. So each believer has the power to witness within us. You cannot make an excuse that you're too timid. You cannot say, I don't have uh, the adequate words or I'm not eloquent in speech. Remember what God did for Moses when he made those excuses. Uh, he sent uh, Aaron to be his spokesman. But if you'll recall in the scriptures there in Exodus that when Moses was with Aaron before the Pharaoh, that Moses did the talking because he submitted to God. We must submit to the Holy Spirit that he will give us the words to say to those who need to be saved. If we just submit to him, he, the Holy Spirit, will give you the utterance to speak on behalf of Jesus. Notice John chapter 15 and verse, verse 8. And when he, the Holy Spirit, is come, he will reprove the world of sin. You see, you don't have to do the convicting. The Spirit of God uses your words, the Word of God, the Scripture through which comes through your mouth, and it becomes a conviction or a reproof upon the sinner. And the Holy Spirit uses you, the tool, to win people to Christ. So we see the saint, Philip, encountered the sinner, the Ethiopian, and the Holy Spirit uses, the, he uses Philip to speak to the Ethiopian. Let us read Acts chapter 8, verse 30. And Philip ran there to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he besought Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. And so we see the fourth S in our message today is the scripture, the word of God. And so Philip expounds upon the word of God and the spirit takes the word of God and pierces the heart of the Ethiopian, the sinner. And Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Now then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. My friends, we cannot afford to be silent around lost people. We must by our good 
deeds and actions show forth Christ in our life and whenever we can tactfully use the word of God, allow the spirit to speak through you to reach those who are lost. You see, the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and pierces the hard heart and opens it to salvation. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God and other passages says that it's like a hammer that breaks the hard rock. It's like a fire that burns the chaff. And so we see the word of God can pierce the heart of men and bring them to the fifth S, the Savior. Acts chapter 8, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, the Savior. You see, Philip explains how the Lamb of verse 32, remember we read that, the place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the shear, and like a lamb done before his shear, opened he not his mouth. Speaking of Jesus, the Savior. You see, the lamb in this verse is the type or a picture of the Lamb of God that John the Baptist introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You see, the Savior, Jesus, is the only way. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. This in turn leads the Ethiopian to confess Jesus as Savior. Isn't this a beautiful picture of how a person comes to know Christ? A saint somewhere one day spoke by the power of the Spirit to you, a sinner, and gave you scripture and introduced you to the Savior, and you became a child of God. Verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came to a certain water or oasis. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hindereth me to be baptized? And Philip said, if or since Thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The moment that that Ethiopian eunuch said those words, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, 
salvation entered his dead soul and he became born again and he received not the physical water, but the spiritual water, the water of the oasis of salvation. And so we see that he commanded the chariot to stand still, verse 38. And they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. First, you become a Christian. You get saved. Then you obey the commandment of Christ to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So water does not save us. The blood of Christ saves us, but water shows the world as we step into the water and we are submerged under the water that we have received Christ as it's a picture of his death standing in the water, his burial as you're submerged under the water, and his resurrection as you come up out of the water. You are saying, I'm going to walk or follow Jesus in the newness of life. And so we see the saint and the sinner and the spirit and the scripture equals the Savior salvation. And what happened to this Ethiopian? Sixthly, we read in verse number 39, Acts 8, 39, And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. You see, the, the eunuch had gone to Uh, Jerusalem seeking religious satisfaction, but he had none. But when Philip introduced the eunuch to Jesus, he received satisfaction. Yes, he went away rejoicing. He was satisfied in his soul. The, The Lord brings contentment and happiness to a new believer. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And so we see that the presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life brings that assurance of eternal life and the hope of and home of heaven. This is all because of God's amazing grace. Listen, my friends. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved If you need the Lord today, my friend, bow your hearts before God and accept Jesus into your life.
Yes, my friend, listen, if you need to receive the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior this morning, all you have to do is bow your head there. Bow your head, your heart, and humbly say to the Lord Jesus, pray this prayer, please. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me from my sin. Oh Lord, help me to live for you from this day forward. If you've if you have backslidden from the Lord and you you haven't been living close to him, recommit your life. Tell him you're sorry for your sin that you want him to come into your life and save you. And you know, my friend, just as sure as I'm speaking to you right now, he will, he will forgive you. He will, he will come in. He will restore. He will restore your life. And he will make you either a new creature or recommit your life unto his service as a renewed person. And so I ask you, consider this today. Don't put it off. I ask it in Jesus' name. If you want to, you can call me. Or you can text me. Or you can Facebook me. And I will give you more information, more encouragement, If you've been saved, when this pandemic is over, you need to follow the Lord in baptism. We'll run the water at the church. It'll be warm water, and you can follow the Lord in baptism. Or you can do like my friend Mark Hatcher, who when he got saved, he says, I want to go to the river. We'll go to the river. We'll go to the Crawley Creek. We'll do whatever you feel is necessary to express yourself to the Lord and give your life to Him. We pray it and ask it in Jesus' name. Have a great day.